Hello and welcome to Flatris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Naked Baron by Sally McKenzie. This was written in 2009 and is number two in the Naked Nobility series, but it was published uh, fourth in the series. So it was published after the third book. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think you see that with romance novels very often. Usually, like, they're published, if they're published later, they get, like, 1.5, 2.5. Yes. Well, one, two, three. It might even have been published as number five in the series because it's the, the it was published after the book about John Parker Ross. Oh. Who, yes. Who, the Beyonce is, who she fails on. Who she jilts. Uh, and the whole thing in his his story is um, that, you know, he's he's insecure because this happened in his past. And then I guess they she decided to write a book about them. So. OK, so uh, let's just dive right in with the book jacket yeah. new to London society and rather awkward. Lady Grace Belmont would just as soon hide behind palm trees as dance with a man she doesn't know. But Baron Dawson is on the hunt for a wife. Grace's generous curves and remarkable height do not intimidate him. In fact, it would be more accurate to describe his reaction to the charming newcomer as lust. Before Grace can so much as gather her thoughts, she finds herself in his arms, committing one shocking impropriety after another. The Baron's devilish attractiveness, to say nothing of his splendid muscles, is simply impossible to resist. Her beloved aunt and chaperone advises patience, but Grace is not about to listen. The handsome Baron is whispering such delightful things in her ear. So this novel doesn't have a lot of plot. So uh, I was going to say, fine this jacket is like kind of perfect. Here's the only thing I would criticize about the jacket. The B plot of this novel is like 45%. I would actually make the argument this is two novellas shoved into one book. Yeah. And so the fact that the B plot isn't mentioned at all Yeah. It's just a little bit misleading because if you're excited and really into Grace and Lord Dawson, you got a lot of other chapters to get through. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it could have just been even one sentence. Like it says her, her beloved aunt chaperone has problems of her own in right. the Baron's uncle or whatever. Pretty easy. Or there's a history there or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, would have been pretty easy. But anyway, uh, all in all, I think it's a pretty good jacket because you, you you really get a good idea of what you're going to read, honestly. The spirit of it is accurate. I just can't stress enough that the subplot is not sub. No, definitely not. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> so we will talk about that. Um, so as usual, we generated a random number. That number was eight. And then we used it to create our own summaries. Also, here's mine. A low angst romance that doesn't take itself seriously. Thumbs up emoji because I didn't have any more words, but I wanted to just be like, thumbs up. Like, I liked it. Okay. And mine, two families, three engagements, and several inappropriate erections. I think that's pretty fair, too, honestly. <laughs> it hints at... 
the long history between the Waltons and the Belmonts. Yes. And I was really amazed that for a book that literally starts talking about inappropriate erections in grown men on page two, that there was not more sex in this. Yeah. It's a lot of talking yourself out of lust, not a lot of indulging in lust. Yes, it's it's a lot of, yeah, yes. It's a lot of interior thinking about how you find the other person attractive, but not actual kissing or making out. Or but like you cannot control your physical reaction. No. Yes. Ever. Even if it's just looking at a fully clothed person talking to someone else across the room. <laughs> and then you're like, ooh. I mean, so that like the major trope is like insta love or insta lust because like like literally the, David, the Baron, sees Grace from across the room and is like, she's the one for me. Like, we're going to get married. He, like, he literally talks to his uncle about marrying her before he knows her name or has ever spoken to her. And they go out on the balcony. They walk in the gardens. They make out. And she's like, whoa, this was like, I'm very attracted to you, but this was really intense. He's like, no, it's fine. My intentions are honorable. And even in the book, Grace is like, wait a minute. He's known me all of five minutes. <laughs> this did subvert one of my favorite tropes in that this was a fondle and a waltz. Yes. <laughs> they did hook up and then come inside to waltz. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a subversion, really. I, I think we can call it a subversion for sure. Yeah. So um, um, one of the, as we mentioned, the B plot is that Grace's chaperone and aunt has a history with Lord Dawson's uncle and closest relative friend person. Um, and they get into some angst fest. And so Grace and Lord Dawson plot together for a mutual acquaintance to throw a house party. Yes. So they can force them into close proximity to resolve their issues. I mean, that's basically the entire novel. I mean, there's, well, there's a little bit more because Grace is engaged. She's engaged. She's sort of. promised to the neighbor, which we've seen a billion times over. Yeah, she's promised to the neighbor. She, she doesn't really want to marry him. She, she thinks he's a nice guy, but boring. Uh, and so her aunt is like, let me take her to London so that she can in, experience the season and maybe find someone else to fall in love with. Um, so, and obviously, she, so she goes. And dad does not support that. But Grace, in a weak, rare moment of obstinance to her father, insists yeah. on doing this thing that she doesn't really want to do just to prove him wrong. Right. Uh, and yes, of course, she falls immediately in love with this guy who is the only person, probably the only nobleman in London that her father probably wouldn't want her to marry. Because... David's father ran off with Grace's father's fiance. Fiance. So David's father was the fiance of Grace's father who jilted him. Great. David's mother, not father. Oh, Lord, I was like, I, I feel like I'm going to mess something up. And I, oh, yes, I did. Yeah. So um, Grace's dad was engaged to. David's mom, but then obviously David's mom ran off with David's dad, and he had David. But then nine years later, their respective aunt and uncle, so the younger sister of Grace's father and the younger brother of Alex's of uh, David's father, met, fell in love, asked for permission to wed. It was denied because Grace's dad was still pissed off about being jilted by David's mom. 
And he really underhandedly tricked her into marrying someone else. And so now basically the exact same story is repeating 25 years later, 23 years yeah. later. Whatever. I, I have to say that my my favorite couple of this book uh, was Alex and Kate. I was like way more invested in their relationship than I was with Grace and David. I liked the older couple um, falling in love. Like they're not even that old. She's but like, they talk about how old they are all the time. So funny. She's like, what, 40? She's supposed to be 40 and he's supposed to be 45. Exactly. And I was like, that's not that old thing. Thank God. and um yeah I don't know I just I found their love story pretty cute I liked it even though it was relatively high angst for a low angst book my only problem with their love story is that I don't feel like they were authentically written as 40 year old people if anything I would actually say Sally McKenzie does a pretty bad job of giving her characters distinct voices and perspectives yeah, I, I was like, there. Fun. And the plot was fun. Like, I really enjoyed reading this book, but I cannot stress enough how low substance it is. This this book is is total fluff, like complete and total icing. There's no cake. Like, this yeah. is whipped cream, icing, fluff, cotton candy, whatever you want to talk about. So if you're in the mood for it, great. If you're looking for character development, distinct character perspectives and voices and some of that does get a little confusing because she's in the habit of switching perspectives without respect to paragraphs Mm -hmm. or chapters and so it can because I she's not super great at distinct voices it was a little bit hard to tell whose perspective I was in at any given time in a couple of places once again did not lessen my enjoyment of the book because I picked up pretty early on on the type of thing I was reading but I would just point that out if you're really bothered by something like that this might not be the book for you yeah uh that said like it literally is laugh out loud funny like there are moments that like you just laugh so hard when you read this book everything the first chapter when uh Kate and Grace are in London and it's Grace's first ball so many of those moments with the two of them had me laughing out loud well, and part of it, too, is that I, I feel like this is a book for historical romance aficionados because it takes all the tropes and it takes all of the things that you enjoy, but it doesn't take itself very seriously. Yes. And I mean, my, our tropes paragraph is long, you guys. We're just touching the iceberg. We're, we're just getting there. So so we, gosh, we, yeah, we just started. So we've got insta-love slash insta-lust, whatever. We have the, we talked about the house party. So they have a house party that they go to. We talked about how there is a second chance romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, Alex and Kate's romance. Okay. What else do we have? One of my personal favorites. Um, Kate does a lot of hand wringing about her supposed infertility and makes a big show about how they don't have to use protection. So of course, Insta pregnant. Yes. Yes. Uh, so normally, here's the thing. If this trope were taking itself seriously, I would hate it. But the fact is, you know, you know from the moment she says, oh, don't worry. I was married for 22 years and never got pregnant. So you don't have to worry about anything. You know she's going to get pregnant right away. So, like, it didn't even bother me. I loved it. And it's the stupidest. They literally have sex, immediately fight. He proposes. She turns him down. He says, never mind. I just wanted you for one night anyway. 
jumps out the window. Yes. And like that's the end of their conversation until she realizes she's knocked up. Not even kidding. It's a trope fest. It's but it's and again, in a book that took itself seriously, I would hate it. Oh yeah, but like I was laughing at them the whole time. Exactly. Well, and I think you're supposed I, I think you're supposed to. So that's what I'm saying is if you're in the mood to like it really, really enjoy those tropes, this book is for you. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, he jumps out the window because there's a tree that connects to the bedroom, obviously. But don't worry. In Grace's home, there's also a tree that connects to her bedroom that enables her to escape later. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in England, that's just how you grow trees. You, like, train them to go near the window. And they're close enough and robust enough to support the weight of grown adults who are yeah. all, as it is described several times, except for Kate, exceedingly large. They're all real tall and real big. My, perhaps my, it can't be my favorite part of the book, but one of my favorite parts is that it talks about what a giantess Grace is. And then it says she's 5'9". I also very seriously need to know how big her boobs are. Because the way <laughs> they're described, I'm surprised she can stay upright. It's so funny. And I don't know. I was like, like, like yeah, 5'9 is tall. But is it like that giant? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure in, you know, I'm not even sure what era this is in, not going to lie to you. There's not a whole lot of efforts made toward historical accuracy. They use really anachronistic language. It's fine. But can't, this is uh, olden times England. Yeah. That Which, said, what is it? To quote um, Heaving Bosoms, this is England times. Yes. Yes. That's what we know. That said. There, she, Sally McKenzie never fucks up the courtesy titles. I will just tell you, I will just give her that. Not sure. One. Do I know what year this is? Nope. Nah. No, no I don't. Um, but so she is a very tall, full-figured woman and is very insecure about that. So don't worry. He's such a big dude. He doesn't want a small woman. He would be afraid to crush her. In bed. <laughs> but Alex, who is also a big guy, just wants ethereal Kate. He's teeny tiny. He's teeny tiny. It's fine. So it's fine. As, as we've alluded to, there are generations of family and familial enmity. Yes. Yes, indeed. There's the, the betrothal to the boring neighbor, and she just is her last chance to live it up before she has to get married to this guy who's who's not like horrible, but is just like, meh. Then there's the guy we've mentioned that they convinced to throw the house party to try to get Kate and Alex back together. Has an eccentric aunt who has a parrot and a monkey. Yeah, she's she's so eccentric. She's And she's a meddler. She, exactly. I was going to say, she's not just eccentric, she's like a meddler. Mm-hmm. Which, whatever. Oh, yeah, and then his parents are tragically dead in a, in a carriage accident. Not his parents, his grandparents. And his, oh no, his parents were tragically dead for a different reason. Excuse yeah, so it's me. Alex's parents who are tragically dead, not, and Lord Dawson's grandparents. But Lord Dawson's parents are also tragically dead, though. Some, his dad died in some never adequately explained incident when the grandfather came to get his daughter back after they'd eloped. Yeah. And then his mother died tragically young sometime later. Like in childbirth or whatever, yeah. No, because he has memories of her. Her mom died in childbirth. 
His mom died when he was like eight, and that's when his grandparents took him in. Yeah. Anyway, they all had tragically dead. Because he's pissed off that his mom's mom didn't come to his mom's funeral because he remembers the funeral. Okay, well, then there you go. I I read for the weirdest shit, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. but uh, but yeah, I mean, basically, this this book is complete froth. It's so low stakes, and I say that in the best way. Yes, yes, I don't I, I don't want any of our listeners to think that we're denigrating the book because that is not the case. Like no. the point of this book is just to sit down, laugh enjoy a love story that's a little bit sexy and then that's it you know like I don't think it's there's supposed to be a deeper meaning and I don't think these are supposed to be like relatable characters this is just stand-ins for a cute plot yeah yeah um so let's let me talk a little bit about Sally McKenzie so first this book or actually the series, the Naked Nobility series, was recommended to us by one of our um, listeners. So thank you for that recommendation. I, Meg, uh, own all of the Naked Nobility books because I bought the Naked Bundle or whatever it's called, the Naked Nobility Bundle, uh, back in the day. And um, I really enjoy these books. They're just like super, very escapist, very easy to read. Um, and they're all, they're all like this. Like they're all just very funny. Not much happens in the books. Um, and then the couple ends up together at the end. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, that said, I will say that a lot of her books do involve an element of, um, sexual violence. So it's not, never would be the hero um of using the heroin or anything like that but but what would happen is the hero would would save her from that situation and I can read that I think a little more than Lane can Lane just doesn't want to read it at all so you know even if it's off the page uh Lane's just like look that's not what I'm into it needs to be a really exceptional book wallflower wager for example Mm-hmm. for me to be like, all right, this was still worth it for me. Yeah. Uh, I will say my personal favorite is the naked Earl, but th- like there's an actual attempted rape, like. And that's what I page. don't want to read described, especially. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, part of the reason that I think I can read it is because these books are so completely unreal and out of time that I can, I can read it that way. That said, that might be offensive. That might even be harder for someone who has been affected right, by not that. Given proper attention as a serious thing. Exactly. And I mean, it's, of course it's serious, but it's like, that's it. Anyway, right. so I, I will, I will just throw it out there that I personally like basically the whole series. Uh, I really like the naked Earl. <laughs> Um, but when I was thinking about the books and like, which one I would recommend to Lane, I was like, well, I think, I think this one there's, cause there's no sexual violence or anything in this one. I mean, just to sort of telegraph ahead to offensiveness, we don't have an offensive next section today. This book is so. I have a very minor offensive. It's not offensive. 
<laughs> yeah, like, this book has nothing in it. Like, unless you really strongly dislike sex out of wedlock. <laughs> and then I what are you doing listening? <laughs> right? Like, that's all I got. Uh, so, so yeah, we talked about it. I don't love the surprise pregnancy trope, but I was so into it in this book. I don't, I wouldn't say I was into it. It was so played for laughs. Like, she has the world's most severe morning sickness. In, like, four weeks. Like, ten so days after like, her miss period. I don't, she's got to be no more than, like, three weeks pregnant when she starts showing. Well. And then she stops showing. She's like, my dresses don't fit. And then she's like, never mind. This is all in my head. I don't know. Well, I think that was, it was just more her perception of it. Of course, it also really doesn't matter. Right. just funny um but yeah and I I do love I I always love a guy who stays faithful so like Alex has never gotten married even though you know he thinks that she he thinks that she jilted him and like basically lied to him about being engaged and even so in 22 years he's never brought himself to marry elsewhere <laughs> So yes, be still my be still my heart. <laughs> Very cute. It's like so cute. And then of course, and again, this is stuff that in a serious book I would hate. But like her twenty two years of marriage, she had sex with her husband, you know, but she never liked it. It was never good. I still in thought of England. Right. And so the first time with Alex is just like amazing, you know. It's so cute when this book tries to get innovative. Literally the kinkiest thing that happens is like oral and making out in a chair. It's so not kinky, but it's, I don't even and, care. But like they talk about it like it is. Like it's really adorable. It, it's, it's really cute. Exactly. That's the thing. Like this book is silly, cute, really funny. Yes. So, so yes, they do say Zeus as God. I didn't understand it. And that's also what just went into the anachronism pile for me and I stopped caring. But so first of all, it was also confusing because David's horse's name is Zeus. Yes. So they talk about Zeus in the text. And then I was like, but then when having sex, he's like, oh, Zeus, instead of, oh, God. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> it's not even like he's a classicist. Why are you thinking of your horse? I don't know what's going on. Oh, my so funny I didn't even I did not realize that his his horse was named Zeus this is you know most of her books it's just whole thing. like it's also interesting I would love talking to you about this stuff because we catch such different things mm-hmm. so the only okay if I have one minor actual criticism uh-huh. it's that there's a few really major plot scenes that fade to black yeah. So we start and then we're told about what happens after. Right. What I think would have been more organic storytelling just to show us what happened. Um, it, it has nothing to do with sex. Usually we complain about Fade to Black, it's sex, but he gets confronted by his mother's mother. And you hear, like, you see the introduction happen, then it fades to black, then halfway through the next chapter, you're told that he and Grace ran off after the meeting. Yeah. And then there's a scene where he proposes and she's doing the noble thing by refusing him 
and you're told as she says no she's crying and then it fades to black and half a chapter later you're told that they've been ignoring each other for the last two days yeah and i just like it's kind of an annoying structural thing she does several times and i do wish an editor had been like this is not good writing yeah put it put a little more in there Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean i i do agree with you that i think she was like let's let's do I don't think she had a big story for David and Grace and she was like I'll throw in Alex and Kate and then I think she got really into Alex and Kate mm-hmm. uh, and then David and Grace really got short shrift I feel yeah like they, no, like I, literally there's no there's and again, I just said the point of this book is not character development, but there's no relationship development between Grace and David. Like, literally. They like hanging out. Right? Meg. <laughs> One of the things that Sally McKenzie does that I love, and it's so stupid, but it's so funny, and it's so, I, I just I just love it, is that, like, They'll be thinking, like, the dude will be thinking about the lady. And he'll be like, wow, her beautiful eyes, her beautiful neck, her beautiful arms, her beautiful mmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he doesn't want to even think the word boobs. Uh, yeah, except in this book, David thinks boobs a lot. He thinks a lot about her boobs. But, like, a lot. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. I just love that, like, all of them are just, like, salivating in their minds over the other ones. Because the words, like, mm, are written a lot. Yes. It's, everyone in this book is really sex-deprived. Yes. And just thinks about sex constantly. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically it. That's what this book is. They're all sex-deprived. They see the one person. And also in this book, you only want to have sex with one other person. Yes. Like, they're sex-deprived, but they didn't know it until they see that one special person. But then it's constant lust. Then it's constant lust about that person. like, function as real people. Yes. Yes. So, I I love it. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) offensiveness. Nothing, right? No, no. But what, what do you want to say offended you? Okay, that that parrot. There's a parrot in this book. It's a talking parrot. It parrots don't talk like that, guys. They yeah, don't. no. This, this parrot responds to situations, mm-hmm. and it doesn't like have stock phrases. Parrots are smart. Like parrots are very smart, but they're not this smart. Um, how sexy was this book? I thought a book with naked in the title would be a little more explicit, or that there was going to be some spontaneous nudity. Yes. I will also say that in the other books, there is more spontaneous nudity. But I was picturing, like, she came upon this naked guy in the watering hole. Like, I don't know, just, like, some sort of, whoops, got a glimpse of more than I should have out of the sexual context. The only time these people are naked in this whole book is in the bedroom having sex. Yes. And that does not happen that frequently. That is a very disappointing part of this book. Again, my favorite of the books is The Naked Earl. And that book does start with the Earl being naked in his bed. And then his friend, Elizabeth, is also naked and, like, looking at herself. Friend? No, no, like, actual friend. Well, and they both have, like, major crushes on each other, too. But they've never done anything about it. Totally unrequited in the beginning of this book. 
somehow, <laughs> yeah, somehow they end up, oh no, that, okay, yes, I remember. He's naked in his bed. Some other girl comes in his room to try to compromise him. And he sneaks out of his room and goes into Lizzie's room where he finds her naked, just standing in front of the mirror going like, do I look hot? I think I look hot. Like literally, that's how that book starts. That's what I was expecting from this one. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Baron does not get naked, except for once. And it's at the end when they're having sex. That's just not. It's at the end during a sex scene. Yeah. No, I thought I signed up for. I know. No, I I understand completely. Understand. But um, but yeah, I mean, for a cute fluff book, it was pretty sexy. Yeah, it was definitely. We talked about the fact that every character has sex on the brain, like constantly. Yeah. And so I think that because really it's just a book about four people in like incredible lust with one another, it feels like it should have been more explicit than it was. Yeah. The amount of like lip service paid to the idea of sex, the actual sex was very minimal and very tame. Yes. Uh, Yes, definitely. Because they're, they're like in a state of like sexual simmering excitement for basically the entire book. And there are three sex scenes. And they're not that detailed or long or no exceptional. They're cute. They're cute. They're very cute. They're very cute. That's not to say I didn't enjoy reading it, but I just like, if you described the title of this book and the number of pages where someone thinks about having sex and then told me how much sex actually happened, I'd be like one plus one does not equal nine. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Um, that said, I, I recommend this book. If you are in the mood for something that's like completely fun, it's going to take your mind off of the, the dumpster fire that is 2020. The Naked Baron is going to do that for you. Yeah, really. It's like Sally McKenzie in 2009 was like, you know what they're going to need 11 years from now? Escapism. She's like, I am writing this for the future. You are going to thank me. (laughs) Thank you, Sally. Oh, by the way, fun fact, she lives in Rockville. Oh, my God. She's a a local author, guys. I don't know. (laughs) Also, it's not a pen name. As you I respect that. I respect that. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know. with a good romance author name, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast as much as we liked reading The Naked Baron, we'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>